Thanks for tuning in to Portico's online campus. During this season when so much of life has been altered, our online campus is still a great way for us to gather together as a church. Remember, the church is not a building, the church is people. So as you watch, I'd encourage you to fully participate in the worship just as you normally would. Stand and sing with us. Sign in and join the discussion with our online campus chat hosts. And let the Word of God remind your heart that through all of this, He is still in control, He has not forgotten us, and He will continue to do great things in our lives and communities as we let Him lead us. So sign in, grab your Bibles, and get ready to join Portico Online. Hi, Portico, and welcome. It is good to have you here today. And now you can hear me. That's even better. So that was Christmas in July, part two. Put your hands together online and in the room. Give yourselves a big hand. I, I love the fact that we're getting these videos back in from our global workers, and they're just blown away by your generosity. And I have to tell you, uh, because of your faithfulness and your giving, we have been able to give an additional $120,000 to support our global workers. And that all went out in the month of July. And so that's all because of you. So whether you're watching online or you're in the room, give yourselves a big hand. And if you're beside somebody, give them a pat on the back. You can do that because you're in a bubble. So go ahead. Well done. <laughs> and, you know, speaking of Christmas in July. Uh, nice to have you back, Pastor Rick. It was a wonderful little Christmas vacation yeah, I just had. You. And, and Didn't get to go anywhere, but it was still, no, we did get to go a little bit, travel a little bit. It was fun to be away. It's good to have you back in the ground. And Daniel, it's good to have you joining us today. It's so great to be here. I actually, just listening to the music at the end made me feel so festive. I think I'm going to drive home to some Christmas music. So. <laughs> ah, fired up. Well, and not only Christmas in July, so I'm going to take a little bit of a privilege right now. It was Christmas in August in our house because our granddaughter arrived. Oh. And so I think we have a couple of pictures that we're going to show hey. you here. And uh, so this is our Christmas gift. And so all of you that have been asking, because we have been getting all kinds of emails from everybody going, so has she arrived yet? Well, this is her Claire, Claire Elizabeth, seven pounds, 15 ounces for you that are into stats. You're into stats, Rick. You're into sports. <laughs> so we got all those details. And she was born on Tuesday, August the 4th. And we're thrilled they're healthy. And so thank you for your prayers and all of your support. So, That's so yeah, awesome. Really appreciate it. Congratulations. And we're going we're gonna to send Doug to go away and be grandpa for a couple of weeks here. <laughs> I'll take it. Let's do it. <laughs> But we're excited to have everyone here in the room uh, for this, this recording. And you know, as we just heard in the announcements, we sold out of, of seats for our last Sunday service. So we're expanding Sunday mornings. We're expanding our Wednesday evenings. We've got outdoor worship times coming. So the church is thriving and the church is still meeting even in the midst of, of COVID season. And we are uh, still in the midst of our series called Redo. And we're looking at all the places in our lives where we could just have this chance to redo things and arrange our lives in a way that God intended them. And uh, today we're going to be looking at the topic of how we approach personal discipleship. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever been in an argument or 
maybe let's call it a discussion <laughs> as opposed to a flat-out argument, but where, where people see things very differently. Like, have you, ever, have you been in an argument or a discussion this season over masks and how some people feel like masks cure the virus and other people feel like masks just make us more sick? Like, you've Absolutely. been in these discussions, All right? All the time. Are we talking about just today? Yeah. <laughs> so we're, and, and people are very passionate about it because they're coming from different yeah. sides and, and everyone's got their opinion. And if you get into a political debate, well, we're going to have political debate. We're going to have the left and right, and, and we're not even able to sure, be able to say for sure that one is right and one is wrong. We both just have different opinions. And as we look at this topic of discipleship mm-hmm. and how we would redo our understanding of discipleship, the question for all of us really in the room and online is, how convinced are you that your understanding of who Jesus is and how he functions in our lives and in our world. How convinced are you that you are right, you've got it the right way, and everyone else who doesn't see it your way is just a little bit off? <laughs> you know, I was thinking about this because I wonder if we asked ourselves a question. Just think about it for a moment. Are you in love with Jesus or a version of Jesus that's been presented to you through a variety of different forms? Yeah, I always find, um, and this is one thing my parents always taught me, was this idea of just because someone says so doesn't make it so, right? Or just because something is accepted doesn't mean it's acceptable. And so especially when it comes to this idea of Jesus and different views and opinions, we find ourselves constantly, constantly in this place where we're wrestling between that. The love of Jesus or a version that's been portrayed by society, all the time we face that. Some people will tell you that Jesus is a pacifist, and we would always be there. there he would just fight for peace, and he would never, he would never say anything that would be aggressive, or never uh, encourage people to be activists. And other people would say, "You've totally missed it. Jesus is the ultimate activist, and he is the one that that brought uproar into our into our society." We're going to look at it. Does Jesus does Jesus call us to make ultimate sacrifice, or really does a relationship with Jesus bring ultimate blessing? And we've got different opinions, and we approach it from different sides. But it's probably a collaboration of well, what is what is our church experience? Um, maybe what we've read on social media about Jesus, or or how how our culture has. Uh, informed us about who he is and who his character is and what it would look like to follow him. You know, when you think about our culture, we, we often don't realize the deep impact that it leaves on us, how it leaves an impression on us. So I went back and I looked at some of the images that culture has portrayed of Jesus. I want to show some of them to you. You'll see them on the screen. The first one is a painting by Raphael. And this is a picture that was a very popular Impressionist painting, and it brought us into an understanding of Jesus. Then you move ahead, and you have a picture that Rembrandt painted, because he had maybe a slightly different take, and he wanted to bring this in. Then another artist, Cardi, brought an image into play, and in each one, you start to see some variation. Now, right around 1940s, there was a gentleman by the name of Selman, who was an artist, and he did a painting and a portrayal, and if you look in the screen right now, how many of you have seen this one? Yeah, just about everybody in the room. This is a very popular version of a blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus. That every, and you know that when he, when he went out, he went to the Catholic Church and he went to the Protestant Church leaders and he said, I would like to be able to provide for you an image of Jesus that you can use to distribute to your church community. So back in the 1940s, this image began to penetrate into our understanding of Jesus. Recently, in 2001, a gentleman by the name of Richard Neov. He did not try to paint 
an understanding that somebody had given to him, he went back into ancient Near East culture and he didn't say Jesus in his mind. He just said, what would a man from that era look like? And here's the image that he had. So it's, it's powerful when you realize we have a visual image that culture's helped us. So I wonder if culture shaped that, how much has the words of others shaped our understanding? So when we're beginning to look at our lives and, and our understanding of who, of who Jesus is and how, we're, and how we're following him, we need to go back to the scripture. And we need to let scripture inform us as opposed to letting culture, as opposed to letting uh, social media, even, uh, even as opposed to letting the churches we've experienced it inform us who Jesus is. We need to make sure that it's scripture. Yeah. And that, I mean, social media can have scripture and the church can have scripture, but we need to make sure that it's founded in scripture. And we're going to go to Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. And here's what Jesus said, that you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide. This is out of the New Living Translation. Love it. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. And the challenge with our understanding of who Jesus is and measuring our lives against him and how we would follow him is that there are many versions or understanding of how Jesus would act and live which seem good to us, which would seem palatable to us. And, And we would go, yeah, I like that version of Jesus. I like how that resonates with me. But in Jesus' own teaching, he said, you know, the way to the kingdom of God, it's actually a very narrow gate and only a few ever find it. So the things that we might like the most may not actually be the true characterizations of who Jesus is. You know, Dan, when we were doing our preparation, one of the things we talked about was the potential of counterfeit gospels. And we got into looking at that. And so part of that conversation, walk us into that, a little bit of of what our culture deals with when it comes to counterfeit. Yeah, I think all of us uh, over this season have been getting a lot of um, phone calls uh, in regards to the IRS or in regards to... Is the CRA after you <laughs> yeah, as well? Yeah, the, the government is Oh my wanting. goodness, I've got, I get I, two yeah. or three phone calls a week saying they're Well, after I me. actually got a phone call this afternoon. <laughs> it's unbelievable. So, yeah, but we're, we're seeing counterfeits all the time. And it, if you think about it, though, we, we experience them all the time. And we shouldn't be shocked that there's a counterfeit gospel, too, that there are people that yeah. would come and bring counterfeits because we see counterfeits when it comes to scams, when it comes to clothing, services, you know, even um, when we purchase stuff on Amazon and we get it back and it's totally not <laughs> the, si- the same size, it's actually a mini version, we see counterfeits all the time. So why not a counterfeit for the most important decision of our lives, which is the good news? And we experience this all the time. And, and you know, that verse that you were talking about, narrow is the gate, I find so often I, I'm at a place where um, I realize that it's narrow because there's only one way. Uh, there's one way, and what you discover is always not the preferred way, mm-hmm. which can lead to us in favor of a counterfeit gospel. So what's interesting to me is, you know, we're a couple of thousand years past the time of Jesus. And you go, as time passes, it's easy to introduce counterfeit gospels, maybe a little bit harder to identify them. And you look globally and you realize there is a challenge like this. But I go back to even Paul, and we're only decades away from the life of Jesus. And in 2 Corinthians 11, 4, if you have your Bibles, here's what Paul wrote. He said, if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, 
or if you receive a different spirit from the spirit you received or a different gospel from the one you, uh, you accepted, you're putting up with it easily enough. So Paul was actually correcting the church and he's going, listen, you got to be alert to this, that as you follow as a disciple of Jesus, and that's what it means to be a disciple, you're aware, you're studying, you're learning. He said, you got to recognize there will be people who will influence you so subtly and it'll draw you away. I don't know if you've ever had the experience, but you're walking down the street and you see a $20 bill lying there in the road. Is your first thought, I wonder if that's counterfeit or not? Or is your first thought, that's 20 bucks, I'm grabbing that. <laughs> you're grabbing it, right? Because it's something good, it's something you want. It's like, we would all want money. If I was gonna offer you a $100 bill, then you might start questioning, where did Rick get $100? But, but, <laughs> but it's easy for us to try and, to try and take something that would, that would benefit us. The challenge with the gospel is we may be looking at what is the gospel that benefits me. There's a, there's a show on Netflix, and a lot, of, a lot of our staff has been watching that recently, and it's called The American Gospel. And it talks a little bit how many of our North American churches have started this subtle shift about how if God wants us to live our best life, maybe God wants us to live our best life, and it looks like I'm going to be blessed, and I'm going to have money, and life's just going to get better and better and better if I follow him. And it begins to trade the true gospel for right. a little bit of a counterfeit gospel, and if it, it runs very contrast and, and counter to what Jesus said. We need to count the cost that we would have before we begin the journey. And they're saying, no, you don't need to count the cost. You're just going to, you don't, you're not going to need to count any cost because the money's going to come and yeah. the blessings are going to come. And when we start to buy into something like that, it's really us trading the true gospel for a counterfeit because it would benefit us in a way that we would prefer. It's so easy because we're inundated with podcasts, social media, messaging, and now, in this season, everybody is basically tied to an online experience, and this is how we're getting our, our messages on a weekend or a weekday basis. But back in the book of Acts, chapter 17, verse 11, very powerful verse of Scripture. It talks about the Bereans, and it said, the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. They listened eagerly to Paul's message, and then they searched the Scripture day after day to see if what Paul and Silas said was the truth. And I find what we're facing right now, and you know, you referenced this American gospel, and it's definitely worth watching. It, it certainly stirs up a little <laughs> bit of an awareness in our spirit, but it's so easy to allow something that comes in that sounds right. Have you ever tried to quote a scripture, and you, you just don't quite get the whole verse, like our memory <laughs> verses? Yeah. So you kind of like, yeah, 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 well, it's close. And what we don't realize is all you have to do is adapt a couple of words, and suddenly you're into the area of what would be a counterfeit gospel if it's not true to the Word. And I love how Paul said here, um, when you look at these Bereans, they were in the Word, and that's so important to what we're talking about today. I actually remember when, when Twitter was just starting out, and uh, it seemed like everyone was a scholar, a philanthropist, <laughs> everyone had the quotable quotes, right? And I remember I would hear these, these people, you know, speaking about the Bible, speaking about Jesus, and I'm reading these things, and I'm like, kind of close, <laughs> but you're definitely taking that out of context. And then you see like 12,000 likes right. and the dangers of that. And yeah. so the Bereans, the fact that they took it to the Word, every time everything was, something was said, they were constantly going back and saying, okay, let's take it through the filter of Scripture. Does this line up with the truth of the Word? So important. Well, we're, we were doing this message, 
And uh, Rick, one of the elders, actually sent something to the rest of the elders. Yeah. And we were chatting about this, and I said, uh, it's, it's an open quote, but I thought it was really, really powerful and poignant. Why don't you share that with us? Yeah, he, what he shared was the thought that if Jesus doesn't reveal himself personally to you, he will always be to you what he is to someone else. Think that through. That if, if you're not intimately connected, hearing the voice of Jesus, who he is, then okay. you'll just be filtering it through somebody else's understanding. And the amazing thing about our God is that he wants a personal relationship. And what we're doing in this series of Redo is really taking the time to look at what are the places where I haven't let the Spirit of God transform me. And our memory verse for this season is out of Lamentations chapter 3, verse 40. Let's take a good look at the way that we're living and reorder our lives under God. And hopefully you're getting that into your spirits. I didn't make anyone call it out, but let's take a good look at the way that we're living and reorder our lives under God. And today we're going to look at one of the parables. And I'm going to challenge you to look at it with fresh eyes. Uh, it's the parable of the farmer who sowed seeds into the different kinds of soil. And in Matthew 13 and 3, uh, if you have your Bibles, we're going to stay in there. So you're going to want to have your Bibles open in Matthew chapter 13. But verse 3 says that Jesus told many stories in the form of parables such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. And he, he, told, he told parables so that we could understand the big principles of the kingdom in a very practical way. And in this parable, we're going to look at, we're going to look at the good news, which is, uh, he's, he's, he's going to plant some seeds, which is, which is the gospel, the good news. And we're going to look at soil, which is the condition of people's hearts and the condition of people's lives. But here's why I want you to look at it with fresh eyes. Normally, because you're sitting in a church or because you're sitting online watching a message, you're going to consider yourself to be the good soil. <laughs> hey, it's landed good. It's growing in me. But the context of who Jesus was speaking were his two, were his closest followers, were teachers of the law, were the general population. There was a wide spread of people. And if we truly examine, if we truly take a good look at the way that we're living and try to reorder our hearts and our lives under God, what we're going to see is that actually our hearts have elements of all four of the kinds of soil. We're not all good soil. Now, now, most of us could probably admit that, hey, I'm not perfect and there's parts of my life that Jesus needs to change. I don't know about you guys, but I'm, yeah. I'm willing to say that. But when we look at a parable like this, we go, oh yeah, there's the people that don't listen, there's the people that have the small roots, and then there's me, the good soil. No. <laughs> Let, our prayer today is that the Holy Spirit would speak to us as we look at all the four kinds of soil and say, where does God really need to do some work? How do I need to reorder my way under God? So let's get into the, let's get into the parable. It's found in Matthew chapter 13, starting at verse 19. And we've got this first kind of soil, which is the hard soil, the footpath. And it says that there's some, there's some seed, there's the gospel that fell in this footpath, and it represents people that, that hear the message about the kingdom, but they don't understand it, and the evil one comes and snatches it, snatches it away. But as we were getting ready for this, we thought... What are the kinds of things that make a heart hard, hmm. that would make the, the gospel bounce off? Whether it's like a tough experience or whether there's um, an element of bitterness that's happened in our lives or jealousy, things that begin to harden our heart and when the gospel comes, it begins to bounce off. There are elements in our lives where we all live like that. Yeah, I think when we read this, and, and you know, Jesus gives his interpretation to his disciples, and he said that the evil one or the enemy come and snatches the seed away. And so we go, oh, well, that's what he did. He took it away. But to your point, what we're looking at here 
is what caused the opportunity or the condition of the soil to be so, so hard that the enemy could actually do that. And you start looking at some of the aspects of this. I like what Isaiah said because uh, it brings us into the story in Isaiah 29, 13. He said, these people say they are mine. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And they, their, their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote. And so you have a couple of things in here. One is you have this almost sense of indifference uh, towards the truth of the gospel. And you go, well, I'm, you know, I'm God's, but I haven't, really haven't committed anything to him. Or you have this other side, which could totally be bitterness. I, uh, I was reading a book just recently called The Magician's Nephew by C.S. Lewis. And he has this wonderful quote in there where he says, what you see and hear depends a good deal on where you are standing. And it also depends on the sort of person you are. And I find when we talk about uh, hard soil, we're talking about someone who's on the path. We're talking about potentially moments where we feel superior or maybe judgmental, um, where we're unaccountable or even isolated. I know there's been seasons even in my life where I find the more I close myself off to things, the easier it becomes to do so on a regular basis. And just being aware of that, this idea that uh, the hard soil, right? As you said, a lot of the times we can think of ourselves as the good soil, but it's easy to allow bitterness and other things into our lives. So there's a, a thought that I, when I was looking at the text, James, James says this, he said, don't just listen to the word, we must do what it says. That's familiar, right? We've, we've heard that before. So we don't just hear, he said, you need to be able to do that. And I was thinking about the hard soil. Now, James is related to Jesus. And in our Life Journal readings, as we're doing our Life Journal reading this week, we're in the, the Gospel of the Book of John, and you'll remember there's a text in here where his brothers tell him, hey, you should go to the celebration. Aren't you, don't you have some miracles you need to do? Very, very insightful. His own brothers, his own family, haven't accepted Jesus for who he is. So you see this hard soil, and they basically, in their indifference towards Jesus, you should go down and do a miracle, because everybody's waiting for you. And here you have James, after he comes to this realization that Jesus is, in fact, the Son of God. He goes, don't just hear the word. You need to do the word. And so this is a, this is a man who heard Jesus on many occasions teach and finally came to the condition where he could hear. But he was in the hard soil category. Are there any places in your life right now where you've closed off the word of God from changing how you think or feel? Oftentimes it happens when we're hurt, and that's, that's one of the worst things about hurt if you've experienced a trauma or a tragedy or just a loss, is that we said, God, you can speak to A, B, and C, but you're not going to speak to D because that's too painful right now. And if there's any place in your heart, any place in your life right now where you would say, that's just really hurt right now, and I'm not really ready to let God speak to that, that would be hard soil where the gospel, where the seed is going to come, and it's going to bounce right off. And if we, were, if we were honest, we probably all have areas where God's let us down, someone else has let us down, where it didn't work the way that we thought it would, and our heart has hardened off there. And we've become like the footpath there, where he said that sometimes the gospel is going to hit. It's true. But that's not the only kind of soil that Jesus said. So there's, so there's parts of our hearts that are hard. Then we've got this other, this next category, and he says there's the rocky soil, and it's in verses 20 and 21. And in the rocky soil, he talks about 
do the roots go down deep? And, and is, there, is there ability to let, to, to let it grab on? And you know about growing and roots and, the, and that you, if, if anything's going to grow big, it has to have good, strong roots. And we see this can be directly related to the depth of our knowledge. When, when we talk about roots, it's directly related to the depth of our knowledge and understanding of the scripture and the teaching of Jesus. And we have so many people that get into this journey, and this is what Jesus is talking about, without counting the cost, we buy into somebody else's perspective of faith. And when Jesus begins to teach, he says the problem is, is that he says when there's problems that, they occur in, that occur in their life or when they're persecuted, um, they fall away. And there's many of us who have gone into this journey, but we're okay with the Sunday experience. We're going to give a thought, we're going to give a reflection on Sunday, or we're going to read something online, and we haven't created our own roots that when the problems of life come our way, we have this tendency to start to lose our way and lose our roots and lose our faith. You know, so when you look at this, because Jesus talked about this, that tribulation or persecution causes us to shrink back or pull back. That's what he was referring to here. What he was telling us is these are normal parts of what it is to be a disciple of Jesus, that challenges and difficulties are going to be a part of our life. And in fact, he prepared his disciples for that. He said, I told you, you're going to face challenges in your life, but don't fall away. Stay true because I'm going to be with you through this. And yet that's the type of soil that he speaks to is often, as long as everything is going fine and it's in my favor, I'm good. But put a little bit of resistance in and then suddenly, like you said, we haven't put our, our roots down, we haven't grown. And so we, fall, we pull back or we fall away. Yeah, often when we find um, the gospel or the teachings of Jesus to be inconvenient, right? Yeah. It's in those moments where suddenly truth can get lost and, and the whole purpose and the mission behind it is missed. And I often find, too, it's in the midst of distractions. Distractions will always lead us away from truth. And so that's why it's so important that we need to be rooted in our faith, that we need to go deep, we need to be intentional. You know, I I know both of you have talked a lot about just intentional faith, intentional growth as believers. We as a church, as Portico, need to be intentional every day, making a choice, choosing to live as a follower of Christ, a true follower of Christ? It's this balance. Um, We fault towards, we default towards convenience Mm -hmm. because commitment calls something deeper from us. Mm -hmm. And I think if if there's two words that we can put in the scales, it's do I live as a disciple out of convenience or do I live out of commitment? Because commitment calls for sacrifice. Well, you you look at Paul and and this is a man that really understood persecutions and problems in life. He yeah. lived it every day, whether it was being jailed, whether it was being shipwrecked, whether it was being bitten by a snake. I mean, and the man knew life problems. And here's what he writes to the church in Colossi, in Colossians 2 and 8. He said, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. And, and he's saying, don't, don't let anyone capture your attention saying, if you follow the gospel, if you follow Jesus, life will go well for you. You won't have problems. And, and don't let anyone knock you from your roots. Make sure your roots go down deep so that you can, be, so you, you're not going to get knocked away. And we have to ask ourselves, are there any life experiences that we would have that would cause us to question God's goodness? Has, has anyone treated us a certain way that we said, you know what, I can't be a part of the church and I can't be a follower of Jesus because 
somebody did this to me or because mm. this happened in my life. And if we're able to be knocked off of our faith because of what happened to us, that part of our heart's in rocky soil because our roots haven't gone down deep enough. And we're seeing this right now at such an exaggerated level. You see it on social media. You guys are watching in the news just like we are. And you see how people are all wrapped up in conspiracy theories and they're all concerned. And our eyes are totally on our circumstances. And I can't get away from the fact that I go back into the New Testament and I look at the disciples. And how many times did Jesus have to tell them, get your eyes off of the circumstances, get your eyes onto Christ, keep your eyes focused on God? Because if you don't, you will pull back. You will shrink away because those types of challenges will rock you. Yeah, actually, uh, I had a great conversation uh, while you were on vacation. <laughs> I, I <laughs> shrunk back. For two I was like, well, who do I talk to? <laughs> so I went to Pastor Doug, and uh, I was talking to him about, yeah, just everything that's going on in the media and social media and the news, you know, conspiracies, all these things. It, it just, it's oversaturated. It can overwhelm you. And I said, you know, what, is, what, what would be one suggestion you have for people? And you said one of the greatest things. You said, you know, sometimes it's, it's, it's good to rest and take a step back. And so even for me in this season, one thing that I'm doing, right, because I'm not perfect, right, it, one thing that I'm doing is I've actually, for the month of August, I've given up all news and social media and just finding rest in Scripture, in prayer and meditation. And just in a, a matter of days... The, that just peace and that, you know, um, focus. It's been wonderful. And it's really the f- talking about the third kind of soil that Jesus identifies in this parable, which is the thorny soil. So the roots, the roots are growing deep. It hasn't bounced off, so it's not hard. It's not rocky. The roots are growing um, there. But we get to verse 22, and he said that there's some seed that fell among the thorns, and it represents those who hear God's word But too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. And when our eyes get focused on what's going on around us, Hmm. what's happening around us become thorns and begin to penetrate the fruit that God wants to produce in 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 our lives. And this season, if we had to be honest, how many times have we worried? How many times... Have we worried about, am I going to get sick? Are my family members going to get sick? Am I going to lose my job? Uh, how long are we going to have to have these restrictions? Am I being controlled by a, a government that I want to be, in a way that I don't want to be in control? And the worries go left, right, and center, stop, nonstop. And we're in this space where the thorns begin to poke at the true fruit that God's word wants to produce in our hearts and lives. You know, and Jesus actually, he really zoomed in on this and he went right into the area of our our finance and our wealth. And he said, you know, we worry about not having enough and then we worry about more. And he contrasts the two. He goes, there are those who constantly are striving to have more and there are those who have lots, but they don't feel it's enough. And he said, in that level of worry, and, and we see this played out. We saw this played out over the last four months in the early part of this whole move through the COVID season where people scrambled to get as much hoarding as they could get and not share. Why do we do that? Because I'm worried I'm not going to have enough for me. And it just sort of, to me, it was very reflective of God saying, do you trust me or do you trust Costco? Costco. I don't trust Costco anymore. They ran out. (laughs) 
<laughs> Sorry, Costco. Yeah. <laughs> we all have memberships. So. <laughs> we do. I do. I still trust Costco. <laughs> well, one thing I, I find um, when it comes to worry is worry is a detriment to our growth. Yeah. We need to remember, and Matthew does a great job of describing this, is the idea we need to remember that the outcome is God's, but the response is ours. How we respond in this is us, for us to own, but the outcome is God. So why worry? Mm-hmm. Why worry? God has us, God holds us, and, and God will continue to walk through us, with us through this season. Well, we and, God design, and God designed us to flourish. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, the thorns it's, that, it's the thorns that penetrate the fruit. He designed you to, to flourish. He designed the church to flourish. And we have got to find a way to get past our worries. I just want you to think about or list out what are the worries you have going on in your life right now? Are any of them too big for God to handle? And if they're not then you need to begin to step into the calling and, and the places where God designed for you to flourish. Because it, as long as we stay in the, in the space of worry and the space where I'm not sure if I'm going to be safe or I'm not sure that God can provide this, we're going to be stuck in the thorns and our, and our eyes are fixated on the thorns instead of on the God who is the good provider who is designed for us to be good soil and, and, and flourish and have fruit produced in our lives. If we get stuck there, we'll never move over there. And there's some of us that just need to really consider that in this season. I'm stuck in the worry and I'm not going to live there. And Jesus, in, uh, in, in, in an earlier teaching in Matthew 6, Sermon on the Mount, one of the places I've been yeah. spending my summer, I mean, he had some very key thoughts about what we're supposed to worry about. You know, and we framed it out this way. I, it's just a takeaway for us to live by. Don't become fixated on your problems. Trust the one who prevails over your problems. And it's a soundbite, but it takes a lot more to live it out. Don't become fixated on your problems. Trust in the one who prevails over your problems. That's the essence of what we're called to in this gospel. And he says, don't worry about tomorrow. Yeah. For tomorrow will bring its own worries. And we know that, right? <laughs> like the fall's going to have its own worries and the winter's going to have its own. Don't worry about it. Today's trouble is enough for today, is what he said in Matthew 6 and 34. And we're going to put our trust in God. And uh, as, we were, uh, as we were getting ready for this message and even looking into the fall, that's one of the things that we really believe the Spirit's saying to us as a church is, is we need to move out of the space of worry. And we need to move into the space knowing that God will provide. And we're, we're not going to be reckless. Right. And uh, we're not going to take unnecessary risk, but we're also going to recognize where our hope is and, where our, and, and who is the one that provides for us which is really the description of the last kind of soil that he mentions in this parable, which is, which is the good soil, where there's a soft heart and there's the right conditions to grow deep roots, and it begins to produce an abundant harvest. And in the book of John, like you said, we've been reading uh, in our life journals this week. Now, we're not quite here yet, so this is a bit of a, <laughs> this is a, bit of a, a preview for where you'll get to next week. But John 15 and 5, uh, Jesus said, those who remain in me and I and them will produce much fruit. Mm. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, as we remain in the soil, I think what the beautiful part of this is Jesus said that the seed, so the farmer plants a seed in the soil, and if the soil is receptive, the harvest is abundant. Mm. And you just, you're reminded of Paul. He said the Holy Spirit will produce this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, meekness, and self-control. That's amazing. 
that if we're just good soil and we're at peace with God, God's spirit hovers over our life and this fruit, this abundant harvest, and it gives us incredible a hundredfold imagery, which is fully attainable within the agricultural society that they were. It's fully attainable. But if we just trust God, he said, I'll do that. I think one of the key things in this passage is the idea those who remain in me, there needs to be a closeness to God. You want to see fruit in your life, produce love, joy, peace, patience, all of that, it comes with a closeness, an intentionality to be, to be constantly in pursuit, seeking after God, reflecting, seeing, am I in good soil right now? What am I producing? What would my, my spouse, what would my friends say of me right now? What do they see producing um, that I'm producing in this season? Such a, an important question to ask as we even uh, just uh, reevaluate that scripture and, and apply it to our lives. So a decision doesn't make a disciple. Hmm. Just because you and I maybe have made a decision to be a follower of Jesus, that doesn't make us a disciple. It takes time, investment, and a commitment to grow to become a disciple of Jesus. And when we started this message, we said, we need to challenge ourselves not to default ourselves into the good soil and say, no, I'm good because I'm here. We need to say, would I be mature enough to evaluate, to take a good look at the way that I'm living and reorder my heart and my life under God and be able to say, God, there are some places where I've, I've made my heart hard. Or there are some places where I really just haven't allowed roots to grow down deep because I haven't been invested in the word like I should be. And it, it, even Paul, we've been, we've been talking about Paul all throughout this message, Philippians 3 and 12, this comes out of the message version, but he says, I'm not saying that I have all of this together. This is the man who had the maturity, the, the one who authored the New Testament has the maturity to go, I'm not saying I've got it all together or that I have it made, but I am well on my way reaching out for Christ who has so wondrously reached out for me. And that is our prayer, is that everyone listening in today could say, I don't have it all together, but I'm willing to say, I'm going to evaluate and I'm going to be on my way to making sure that I'm reaching out for Christ who has already made the way for me to produce fruit and become a follower. So our goal is to reevaluate our life. Jesus, when he was teaching, if you go back into Matthew and you look at the parallel gospels, it says that people from all over the region were coming, from Tyre, from Sidon, Jerusalem, Galilee. And as he saw the crowds coming, he recognized the diverse nature of the people that were there. That's why he did this parable with the soils. He saw that the crowd was made up of all different kinds of hearts. And he said, I want you to think about this. These are poignant words. This is found in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. He said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. And there is some power in that verse. Because often, as you mentioned, we make a decision, and then we follow, but we follow what's convenient or comfortable. But Jesus said, daily, you need to take up your cross. And daily, you need to follow me. That means all the time we're listening to the whisper of the Spirit, and so our challenge for all of us today, whether you're watching online or you're here in the room, that we would be people of the Spirit, and the Spirit would have freedom in our heart to speak to us and to keep us on the right path, on the narrow path that leads to life. 
And so as you listen to the Spirit today, maybe there's some mid-course correction you need to make. Have to let go of some bitterness. You have to make an intentional choice. I'm going to get into the Word again. I'm going to start to grow. I'm really going to commit my life. Or in the area of worry, you're going to go, you know what, I've been trying to manage and control this, and I can't. And we've learned that. We can't do this. So you come back to this place where you realize if you abide in me and I abide in you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So if we just abide, that's where the growth is going to take place. Let's pray together. So Father, we pray as individuals, Holy Spirit, that you would just speak to our hearts, that you would allow us a moment of just transparency and authenticity before you, and you would show us if there's any area of our heart or our life that maybe we've bought into the counterfeit, or maybe we've backed off into the area where it's convenient, or we've become caught up in worry. And I pray in your name, Jesus, today that you would give us this freedom from that, and you would help us to move into this area where our hearts are receptive, good soil, trusting you because we want to reorder our lives under God. And when we do that, you are going to produce amazing fruit in and through us. And the world is going to know and see because your dream and your desire is that we would be salt and light and that people would come to know who you are. So may we help people find their way back to God And may we too be in that place where we're in this authentic, loving relationship with you. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for joining with us in today's service. If you would like someone to follow up with you for prayer, please let us know by filling out a prayer request at portico.cc slash prayer. And please remember to continue giving to the ministry. Even though we can't meet in person, we are still a church that is meeting both the physical and spiritual needs of our community. You can give today by clicking the donate button on the top right hand side of your screen or by going to portico.cc donate. All the latest updates of where and how the church is meeting during this season can be found at portico.cc COVID-19 and you can always stay up to date by downloading our church app on the Google Play or iTunes store. Thanks for worshiping with us today and we hope to see you again next week.